Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. What did you hear as you listened to those words? What words stuck out to you? What phrases caught your attention? What did you feel as you listened to the story? Where are you in this parable? I'm asking these questions because listening to the scripture is exactly what originally occurred. These stories were oral stories for years, passed down from mouth to mouth like a game of telephone. Did any of you play that game? Where everyone would sit in a circle and one person starts the game by whispering a phrase into the ear of the person sitting on their left, who then whispers that same phrase into the ear of the person sitting on their left, and so on, until they go around the whole cir circle and the last person hears a sentence and then says it out loud. And the first person who started the chain of events says the phrase that they said, and it never matches up, does it? By the time it gets through all those ears and mouths, the sentence has changed. Often it's something like this. The phrase, my favorite food is potato chips, ends up sounding like, my fevered foot has paper clips. So by the time it gets around the circle, it has completely changed. My hunch, and I could be wrong, is that the stories of the Bible may have encountered a wee bit of this as they were passed from mouth to mouth until they were written down for posterity by various people, rendered into different translations until here we are reading the story today. 
That's why it's so impressive to me when the different synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have the same stories in them, albeit with differences. It means the story came through the channels clearly, and it's confirmation that the events happened and were considered significant enough to be included in their stories. So this parable appears in all three synoptic gospels. It also appears in the non-canonical gospel of Thomas. So we, we know it was important to those writers of the gospels that this parable be heard. Sometimes we call this the parable of the seeds. Sometimes it's thought of as the parable of the soils because it's the quality of the soil that makes all the difference in the quantity of the harvest. But Jesus calls the story the parable of the sower. This naming directs our focus onto what Jesus wants us to pay attention to, and that is the one who sows the seeds. The sower scatters her seed carelessly, recklessly, extravagantly, seemingly wasting much of the seed on ground that holds little promise for a fruitful harvest. She flings it by the handfuls. And we know this because the text says some of the seed was spilled upon the path, the untilled ground. Some of it was spilled upon the rocky ground and some upon thorny ground, which should not have happened, not when seeds were so precious. Jesus loved to tell stories that challenged the notions of those listening to him. So we can either assume that the behavior of the sower is extremely reckless, or we can assume that it was extremely generous. I don't believe that the latter interpretation would have occurred to those sitting and listening to this story, because in their minds, the farmer or the sower should meticulously ensure that all of that precious seed landed carefully on only the healthy soil where it could grow. So the shock of this parable would have been an immediate one. Some seeds fell on the path. What do you mean the seeds fell on the path? On untilled soil? And some seeds fell on rocky ground. Why would the sower let this happen? And then some are cast among weeds. Doesn't she know the seeds will be choked out of nutrients and sunlight by the weeds? But finally, some seeds fall on good soil. Whew. It's clearly stated that the seeds are the word of God. Hearing God's word has different effects on us at different times. Perhaps how we hear the word of God is dependent on a lot of different circumstances. They depend on the environment we're in when we hear the word. Quiet church sanctuary versus stuck in stressful traffic listening to K-Love on the radio. Whether the person reading the word has a microphone that's working or whether it's making squealing noises that are distressing and distracting. Whether there are internal distractions in our minds, such as mentally making grocery store lists. You know, you've all done it. Loaf of bread, gallon of milk, stick of butter. Whether the people in the pew behind you are talking or whispering or unwrapping a noisy cough drop wrapper, and so on. All of these things might determine how we hear the word of God. Lutheran pastor Reverend Nadia Boltz Weber writes, Again and again, in the midst of this thorny and rocky and good world, God still is sowing a life-giving word. 
just wantonly and indiscriminately scattering it everywhere, like God doesn't understand our rules, which would also mean that the thing we call the word is not something relegated to religious institutions and ordained clergy and the piety police. The thing we call the word isn't locked up in some spiritual ivory tower. I am persuaded that the word of the Lord is anything that brings good news to the poor and comfort to those who mourn. Whatever heals the brokenhearted, whatever opens prisons, and God's word is scattered all around us, joyfully scrawled on protest signs and heard in newborns' cries and seen in city streets and county fairs and shopping malls. The word of the Lord is written on the broken tablets of our hearts. It is falling like rain in the tears of the forgiven. It is harnessed in the laughter of our children. We have to remember that it can be hard or even impossible to see what's happening below the ground as the seed lays there. Is it growing? Has it died? Did I overwater it? Did I underwater it? And because we don't know what's happening, we continue to care for it and have faith that one day it will bloom. It does its, sight, it does its work out of sight and mysteriously. Likewise, we can't always see God's work in our hearts or the hearts of those around us, can we? So we should never judge each other based on outward appearances or actions because God's seed may yet be growing within them and will one day bear fruit. We should never believe that we are beyond redemption and hope because God is not finished with us yet. And that's good news for us. And it was good news for the disciples on whom Jesus never gave up. At one point, Jesus asked the disciples, have you understood all that I am saying? And they confidently say, yes, Lord. And then they go on to stumble and bumble and make fools out of themselves and betray Jesus, abandon Jesus, and deny knowing Jesus. But Jesus loved them anyway. Jesus invested in disciples who looked unpromising. And Jesus' investment in those disciples show that he simply will not give up on them in spite of their many failings, and he will not give up on us either. There were a lot of mixed responses to Jesus and to his use of the word of God. There was a lot of hostility toward him. In many ways, Jesus was a troublemaker and a pot stirrer. He always seemed to be conflicting with one group or another, he and the Pharisees were always butting heads against each other. And then in chapter 12 of this book, he seems to abandon his own family. And in chapter 13, he's rejected by his own hometown. All of this conflict. So maybe it isn't surprising that Jesus would go on to tell this parable that would show the various ways that the word of God was received by those around him, or rather, rejected. Even though the focus of this parable is on the sower, I think that it makes us think about different kinds of soil as well. And I bet when we first hear it, we wonder, oh boy, which kind of soil am I? And so I think that just maybe it's worth considering the soil for just a few moments. Truthfully, the answer to the question, which kind of soil am I, is that 
all four kinds of soil are within each one of us at any given moment. And depending on the day or the moment or the circumstance, we end up presenting one or the other. Sometimes our soil is unworked, sometimes it's rocky, sometimes it's thorny, and sometimes it's healthy. And all four kinds of soil were in those surrounding Jesus as well. We can find examples of each kind of soil in the ways that people responded to Jesus' word. There are those who hear the word of the kingdom and do not understand, including the religious leaders who were antagonistic to Jesus' ministry. Then there are the crowds who initially respond positively and joyfully to Jesus, especially to his miracles, yet turn against Jesus at the end and demand his crucifixion, causing us to wonder whether they ever truly understood Jesus to begin with. The disciples themselves might be included among those who fall away when troubles came their way because of Jesus. And then there was the rich young man who was unable to part with his possessions, who provides an example of one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lures of wealth choke the world and it yields nothing. So what about the good soil? Who are those who hear the word and understand it and indeed bear good fruit? Well, interestingly, in the Gospels, it seems that it's the sinners and the outcasts who hear the word and who live the word. In fact, Jesus tells the chief priests and elders that the tax collectors and the prostitutes would go to the kingdom of God ahead of them. What about you and me? When do we show the different kinds of soil within our hearts? I think our soil is untilled and hard when we're distracted by the cares of the world and the word simply cannot get past that impenetrable barrier of our worries and the things we prioritize and the things that stress us out and the things that distract us because we can't even see the word, let alone receive it into our hearts. I think our hearts are thorny when we have hatred or bitterness or judgment within them and the word cannot survive. And I think our hearts are rocky when we're unable to trust in God, unable to believe, unable to give our lives over to God. These become stumbling blocks to letting the word take root within us. But I think our soil is healthy and able to receive and grow the word of God when we have kindness in our hearts, forgiveness in our hearts, when we are loving and gracious and patient, when we are humble and when we confess our wrongs to God and ask God to help us do better. I think our soil is healthy when we trust in God and accept that yes, we are imperfect. We are impossibly yet beautifully complicated individuals and that God loves us just as we are. So we in turn try to love those around us just as they are. I think our soil is healthy when we turn our eyes to the cross and understand what it has done in our life and that we are accepted, redeemed, and saved because of it. It is our responsibility to make our soil healthy because like I said last week, we don't just sit around waiting for God to work in our life, waiting for God, the divine sower, to work a miracle 
We do the work that is needed, that God needs us to do with God's help to become closer to who God would have us be. Because soil in and of itself does not change. It just sits there. But an outside agent can change the soil. In the ongoing story of our transformation from who we are to who God wants us to be, God is the agent, but we have a role too. And I believe God keeps tilling and churning and weeding and sowing until our hearts and souls are brimming with beauty. And maybe God just uses just a wee bit of miracle grow as well. As a side story, my son sprouted up from about this high to over six feet tall over the time of COVID. And people would marvel. They'd be like, oh my gosh, you are so tall. And I'd always say, it was the miracle grow I put in his oatmeal. And Ronan would always reply with, mom. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. So this tilling and churning and weeding and sowing that God does in our hearts, it's going to be painful at times. But God knows who we are supposed to be because God made us, each and every one of us. And God believes in us, believes that we will blossom one day. So we need to keep doing the hard work and believing in our goodness and our potential as well. Gardeners are some of the most optimistic people that I know. They take the chance and they do the hard work that might never bear fruit, trusting that one day it possibly might grow into something beautiful to behold. Well, God does the work in us as well, trusting that one day you and I will turn and delight in God's will and walk in God's ways and be that beautiful blossom we were made to be. Now, does God love us in the meantime? Of course God does, every single day, just as we are. But are we everything we could be? Not yet, but someday we will be. So in addition to having seeds planted in us, we are also called to sow seeds ourselves, lavishly. With his great commission, Jesus told us to go out into the world, unto the ends of the world, and share the good news. And how do we do that? We sow seeds. We share the love and grace and forgiveness and joy and hope of God through Jesus Christ with all we meet. And if necessary, we use words. That's from the quote attributed to St. Francis of Assisi that says, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. And I've always loved that. Because what that means is that we actually love, we actually forgive, we actually help our neighbor rather than just talk about it. Everything we do should preach the gospel and glorify God. We are to follow the ways of the sower in Jesus' parable. We are to sow these seeds recklessly and abundantly, extravagantly, all around us, without judging who is worthy and without judging who is not worthy, because God gives all of us a seat at God's table. There are going to be times, my friends, when sowing does not bring about reaping. Because even though we have scattered those seeds and loved those seeds and talked to those seeds, nothing grows. The same thing happened to Jesus. Our task 
is to keep on sowing. And that reminds me of another one of my favorite quotes by Mahatma Gandhi, who wrote, it's the action, not the fruit of the action that matters. You have to do the right thing. It may not be in your power, and it may not be in your time that there'll be any fruit, but that doesn't mean you stop doing the right thing. You may never know what results come from your action, but if you do nothing, there will be no results. So friends, we keep flinging that seed with abandon, the word of God out into the world with a sure and certain faith that it will grow with God's help and grow and grow. We fling it recklessly and lavishly because when we share the love of God and the word of God, it not only blesses others, it blesses us too. So as you go out from here this week, I want you to live lavishly, but not in the way that you might think. Live lavishly for the Lord by sharing God's word through your actions and if necessary, through your words. Live lavishly for the Lord by making sure the soil of your hearts is healthy and ready to receive God's wisdom. Live lavishly for the Lord by emulating the sower who gives in abundance. And thanks be to God that we get to play a role in the ongoing transformation of the world. Let anyone with ears listen. Thanks be to God. Amen.